That's right. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and we will get one to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Raise those hands real high so I can see you. Need a Bible. There you go. Chapters uh, 8 and 9 are really like one unit, kind of a combo package. We will not be getting through both chapters this morning, unfortunately. I wish we could. I was planning on it, hoping to get through, but there was so much stuff I had, like never really realized and seen in these chapters. Um, these chapters are all about giving. And so if you're joining us maybe for the first time at Calvary Chapel or you're new to Calvary Chapel, this is not a pitch for money. This is not a 12-week study on, on giving. And this morning, it's going to be triple tithe Sunday. Chicken buckets will be coming around, you know, <laughs> second and third time because God's going broke. Listen, God is not going broke. He's not going to file chapter 11. But we're going to learn all about giving this morning. Your giving is between you and Jesus. It's between you and him. And so, again, if you're here for the first time, um, we don't pass the chicken buckets. Again, we got a box in the back of the room. It's, it's between you and the Lord. You want to give, go for it um, to the Lord here or wherever. But um, we're going to learn some um, important principles as we work our way through um, chapters 8 and 9. And by the way, we teach through the whole Bible. And so we may not hit the topic of giving again, I think, for a while, um, so it's not, again, it's not like we're aiming this at anybody. Because sometimes people come to me after service and say, you aim that at me. <laughs> you were looking right at me the whole time. You were talking. And I have no clue who's going to be here, who's going to, like, you know, okay, I'm hoping that Jim Bob Johnson will be here on, what is it today, the 4th of October. I'll slow it down because I know he's coming. And then when we hit those verses, guess where I'm going to look? Right at him. And I'm no, that's the Holy Spirit, dude. That's the Holy Spirit trying to get a hold of your heart. <laughs> you know, your spouse didn't call me. Because I, I hear that sometimes, too. Did, did my wife call you? Did, you someone email, did someone contact you? How did you know that's going on? How did you know that's what's up in our house? And I'm like, dude, I ain't stalking you. Like, I, I have no, I'm, I'm trying to put together, you know, trying to put together like full sentences and use the two brain cells I got left to be able to communicate God's word. And so that's the Holy Spirit trying to love, who loves you. is trying to connect with you and get a hold of your heart. And so um, that's just where we are. And after we get through eight and nine, we will move forward and keep rolling through God's word verse by verse. Keep it simple. Amen. All right, Lord, we thank you for this morning. We open our hearts to you now. We want to commit ourselves afresh to you this morning, just as we sang. This is my surrender. In a fresh way that, well, that you would have all of us. Forgive us for taking back areas of our lives or areas where we're, we're, we've held back in fear or doubt or lies or whatever it is that would keep us from completely being given over to you as a living sacrifice. And so I pray this morning, God, you'd work in our hearts. You'd reveal um, 
we can't understand unless you reveal it to us. So, God, we appeal to you. We look to you now and ask for your help to understand your word, to correctly divide your word, and to correctly apply it in our lives, that we might bring you glory, and that we might please you. And so we commit this time to you now. We thank you for it and all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. And so like, it's like, okay, so Paul's talking about giving. Why? Why is Paul talking about money right here? We've, we've been listening to the Apostle Paul give a defense of his ministry, correct? Is that what he's been doing? He's been giving a defense of his ministry to the Corinthians who were, were trash-talking him, that were saying bad things about him. And now all of a sudden he begins to talk about money in the next two chapters. Well, again, remember at the end of 1 Corinthians, in chapter 16, the Apostle Paul mentioned a collection of money, kind of like a relief fund, right? And sometimes our church, we do maybe a, a relief uh, effort um, where there's been disaster. We might put together some, some money and send it to a church where they're doing outreach and helping in the community. Well, Paul was making a collection, like a relief fund, and it was for the church. You guys remember where? In Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem fell on hard times. We know that at least one famine hit, and so they were hurting in that sense. But we also know once you became a Christian in that culture, you are, you're disconnected from the community. You lose your job. You... Uh, they, the, the Jewish people that are that are Orthodox, they're like, you're no longer part of our family. I mean, and some of us have experienced that not being in Jewish families, that our family doesn't want anything to do with us because we've chosen to follow Jesus. And so, but in that culture, you could lose your job. In fact, remember in John chapter 9, the, the man that was blind, Jesus opened his eyes. And uh, his parents didn't even want to say anything because why? Because they would have been ostracized and kicked out of the community altogether. So think about in the early church there, right? That's where the church was birthed. Some people call it the mother church, if you will. It's where all the ministry came out of, all the spiritual blessings came out from that church as they were sent out, as they were persecuted and went out. God got the salt out of the shaker, so to speak, right? We're the salt of the earth. And so God brought some persecution, some other things to get the people out. And so the gospel is now spread through that ancient world. But now the church in Jerusalem's hurting. So Paul's like, you know what? Here's an opportunity for us to minister to them Hey, they blessed us spiritually. They blessed us in so many different ways. They're hurting. Now we have an opportunity to bless them. And not only that, it was an opportunity to build a bridge. What do I mean by that? Because there was a little rift between the Jew, Jewish Christians and the Gentile or non-Jewish Christians. Paul saw it as a way now to connect the two because the wall's been taken down in Jesus Christ. There is no, there's not to be any division or walls in the body. Are you with me on that? That's like super huge to understand. There is no longer now slave nor free, Greek nor Jew, barbarian, Scythian. All walls come down in Christ. There shouldn't be anything that's between any of us here. Are you with me still? Nothing. And so Paul saw this as an opportunity to take down any walls, to build a bridge, to connect the believers, because we are all one big happy family in Jesus Christ. And so Paul would... Paul was making this collection 
throughout all the different churches. And Paul's going to mention um, this morning, he's going to mention the churches in Macedonia, which is northern Greece. The church in Corinth was in southern Greece, which was called Achaia, and the northern churches in Macedonia. Um, so he's going to make a contrast and a comparison also. Well, let's get into the, the, into the word. What does God's word say? Chapter 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, or here's what's next, family. We make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So the first thing Paul does now in this chapter is he holds up the northern churches of Macedonia as an example of generous giving. And he's like, moreover, brethren, listen to what happened here. We want to make, some, make you aware of this, that God bestowed, and that's, a, that's an ancient word. We, you guys still use bestowed? We don't use that much, do we? It means to, to lavish, to pour out. God poured out his kindness on the churches there in northern Greece. And so it was by the grace of God, and, here, and here's the point that Paul's going to make. It was by the grace of God that they were great givers in those churches. Verse 2. Notice, that, notice their condition or their situation, what they were going through. Number 1 in verse 2, a great trial of affliction. That word affliction means heavy pressure, stress. Anybody ever go through heavy pressure and stress? That ever happened to you guys? Heavy pressure, stress in their lives, but notice the next part of the verse that says what? They were super joyful. They were rejoicing. Do you guys rejoice in your stressful pressure, heart difficulties? They were super excited. They're rejoicing. And notice what else was going on. They were, they were destitute. They were poor. They were poverty stricken. And yet it says that they abounded in the riches of their liberality. Liberality means generosity. In other words, you know what they did? This church that was going through gnarly trials, yet had great joy, had empty pockets, no bank accounts, what were they doing? They gave all that they could. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? I think it's a great lesson that we're going to learn this morning because when things are gnarly and money is super tight, do I have a closed fist and a frown? Or... Do I have a smile upon my face and excitement to give to the Lord? Often though, listen, often those who hardly have anything or who have less, they give more. And, and, and if you travel around the world, it becomes really apparent. Some of you guys have gone to the mission field with me. Sudan, Honduras. There may be a few of you who went to Honduras with us years ago. The first place we went to was this family, this poor family. And they, you know what they did? They brought up everything, the best they had. 
for us. Here's a bunch of people they don't even know. And we pull in this missionary team. And it was like a month's worth of their salary to feed us, to take care of us. But they gave their best to bless us. That's the idea. I've been many places. I've been in a little in a hut in Sudan, in a little tukul, they're called. And this family brought out their best. That's all they had to give us, to take care of us, to bless us. And so we see that that's what's happening here in the church in Macedonia. Paul goes on record about their giving. Look at verse 3. He says... Um, They gave what they could as they were able. It wasn't much because they were poor. And then he says, yes, and beyond their ability. The gift wasn't much in proportion to what they did have. But but what they did have, they gave beyond their ability. It reminds me of, you guys remember the the widow with the two mites? Mm. You guys remember that? Jesus is sitting there in the town pole and people all, you know, here's all these people, the wealthy people bringing their stuff, some tooting horns, right? Check me out, dig me. And then here comes this little widow. How many mites did she have? Two mites. That's all she had. And how much did she give? She gave all, she didn't say, I'm going to hold back one. She gave it all to the Lord. That was all she had, all her livelihood. And Jesus held her up as an example of sacrificial giving, giving from the heart out of love for God. He even said she gave more than all of them combined. How in the world? Wait, time out. What was she communicating when she did that? You know what she was communicating? Here's a widow that has, is destitute, like these churches in Macedonia. What she's communicating is, Lord, even though you've allowed this to happen to my life, I have no more husband, I have no finances, I trust you and I love you and I'm going to give this to you. That's awesome. Radical. That's what's happening here. They were freely willing. It was totally voluntary. They did it of their own free will. Please notice their heart in verse 4. They beg, Paul says, they beg us continually to take the love gift, to take the money. Isn't that interesting? It wasn't Paul begging them. Because typically you go to churches and what happens? Well, not all the time, but a lot of churches. The pastor's begging for... The pastor's begging for money, right? Like God's going broke. Listen, God's not going broke. He's not going to file chapter 11. And listen, if he wants to wrap up the ministry, with it's over, then good. Oh, hallelujah. God's got something better in store. That's how I look at it. If the, if the finances dry up, hallelujah, Lord, you got something better to do. you got a better direction for us. That's, I think that's the way we need to see things and to view things. But listen, God's not begging for money. We make, we make God out to be something he's not. And so they said the poor Macedonians were begging Paul to accept the love gift. They didn't have much to give, but they wanted to give. They Listen, they viewed it as a privilege to give. I, and don't miss this. At the end of verse 4, it says, and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. You know what they're saying? We want to be a part of connecting with our brothers and sisters. We want to, we want to serve them. That's what ministering means. Ministering means serving. It's diakonia, which we get deacon in the Greek. It's, 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 we want to serve them in this way. 
And can I point out a very important point that I've never seen this before, never really recognized this before, but it's, it's super vital to grab a hold of. Some people, that's their ministry, is, is giving finances to the church. Because sometimes we say, why doesn't that guy ever serve? How come they're never involved in ministry? Why aren't they here doing something? Because their ministry is God's given them the gifting and talent to earn money in order to support the work of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ going out to save people. Does that make sense, you guys? Hopefully. And notice the key, though, in verse 5. This is so important. It says, Paul says, they went above and beyond what we hoped. But what was the first thing they did? Before anything else, they gave themselves to the Lord. This is like, if you don't have it underlined, maybe highlighted, or at least in your heart and mind, because if you don't get this, you're going to miss, you're, gonna, you're not going to understand giving. In fact, if you don't understand this, really, man, you're, gonna, you're not going to realize that everything you have comes from God. You'll be, you're, you're giving like tipping a waiter is the idea. This is like super crucial right here to understand. Why were they such great givers? Why were they such great givers? Because their giving flowed from a heart given over to God. First, a fresh surrender, a fresh consecration to God. God, my life is yours fully and completely. Once you give yourself fully to the Lord, you want to give. You realize it's all His to begin with. That it's not yours, it's not mine. My possessions are no longer possessing me. All I have is by His grace and by His goodness. And that I want to do good and share because that's what's pleasing to Him. Because I want to please the one I've given my life to and I'm in surrender to. Their hearts were in tune with what God was doing. They gave their hearts first to the Lord and then to Paul and the gang, (laughs) the ministry they were doing. The real issue this morning is, is, have you given your heart to the Lord completely? Have you, Romans 12, offered yourself as a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable to Him, which is your reasonable service? It's what makes sense in light of all that God has done for us. Paul comes to that conclusion in Romans 12. It's like, therefore, in light of the mercies of God and all that he's done in your life and my life, the correct response, the only correct response is to say, Lord, here's my life. Have it all. It's all yours. The thing is, they got the right order here. They got the right. Is Jesus the Lord of your wallet (laughs) or your purse or pocketbook or whatever we call those things? Is he Lord? It's all his, including me. They realize that. They recognize that. And so he goes on. Look at verse 6. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. This is interesting what he says next. So the team, what did they do? They begged Titus. Who was Titus? Remember who Titus was? Titus was Paul's, he's going to talk about it later, co-laborer, sidekick in ministry. Titus had been in Corinth, and Titus will be the one, listen, Titus will be the one delivering this letter, 2 Corinthians, and he will be going ahead of Paul to get this collection going in Corinth. And so he wants, just as they began, now look what it says there. It says, um, 
that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. So Titus is part of the, the collecting of the funds. We'll see in just a moment a few other guys also for accountability. But there needed to be a completion. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. The Corinthians a year previously started well. Oh, they were excited about this, giving to the Lord, giving to this work of God. But then things fizzled out. Why did things fizzle out? Why do, why do you guys think things fizzled out? You guys remember what Paul said last week to them? Their hearts were, were their hearts open or closed? Closed. Their hearts were closed to Paul, but they were also closed to the things of God because their hearts were open to what? Open to the, to the world. They had become worldly and carnal. When you're worldly and carnal, guess what? Guess what you won't be investing in? You won't be investing in eternal things, in the kingdom of God, in the life to come, which is what Jesus called us to, didn't he? Don't store up your treasures where? In your storage unit, in your... Right? But store up your treasures where? Where are we to store up our treasures? In heaven. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, if you're investing in this, in, in this kingdom, the kingdom of this world, listen, we know, we know the end of the story. It's all going to burn. Correct? That's why I don't get bummed out when I get a ding in my car or my, surf, my new surfboard. You know, it's all going to burn. I'll patch that up and just keep rolling. My treasures are, I'm, I'm sending it on ahead. Because Jesus told it, do you think Jesus was just trying to come up with some interesting stuff to put in there? Or is he... He wants us to listen to max out the grace that he's given to us. To invest in the things that will last. To put it, like Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy, to build a foundation. Storing up to build a foundation in heaven. Because the foundation, if your foundation is here in the things of this world, it's going to crumble. It's going to get washed away and wiped out. And so Paul is encouraging them here to complete what they had begun, and Titus would be part of this ministry to them. Look at verse 7. But as you abound in everything, what does that mean to abound? Lots of, prosper. But as you abound in everything, you've got an abundance. You're prospering in everything. And then he names five things here. In faith, in speech, some Bibles say an exposition of the word, uh, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you also abound in this grace also. And so either these were the things that Paul, remember Paul last week, Paul was boasting about the Corinthians, about some things. He may have been boasting about their faith and, and uh, knowledge and so forth, or it was the Corinthians that were boasting in these things. You know, we're such people of faith. And you're right, Paul, we're, we're, we got, we're full of knowledge and, and we got this going on in our lives. And, and, and then if, if that's the case, then Paul's saying, okay, see also, make sure you abound in giving also. If you're abounding in all those other things, make sure you're abounding in this grace. Did you notice four times Paul refers to the giving of money as grace, as a grace. Did you guys notice that? 
You can, it's good to circle or underline if you didn't see that, but four times he does that. Why does he use that? Why does he use grace at referring to our giving of money? Why does he say that? Because we have the resources to give. Why do we have the resources to give? Because by his grace, he's blessed us. Correct? He's given us those things. We didn't earn them. We didn't deserve these things. He's blessed us undeservedly. Not only that, the desire to give is also there because God has done work in our hearts by his grace, hasn't he? Can you remember before you gave your life to the Lord? Were you, were you a giver or a taker? Super selfish? Did you say, oh, before you came to the Lord, oh, I think I'm just going to give, you know, every week to the Lord, every month? I think that sounds like a cool thing to do. I want to see the kingdom of God furthered and the gospel being preached and God's people growing. And Did you say that? It was all about who? Me, myself, and I, right? The unholy trinity. Selfish, self-absorbed, self-preserving. But then what happens? The Lord comes into your heart and you get rewired, right? Transformed by the renewing of our minds. We have new purpose, new direction, new values. It's by His grace. Listen, give, giving is a work of God's grace within us. And you know what? When you see a believer who is truly generous, you know what you, you, know what you recognize? That's a great work of God's grace in that person's life. Wow. <coughs> Thank you, Lord. Well, he goes on, verse 8. He goes, I speak not by commandment. I'm, in other words, I'm not ordering you to do this, but I am testing... This is heavy. I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Is that heavy? I, I, like I had to read this over like a few times this week going, is he really saying this? Well, let's start from the beginning of this verse though. This is so important. I speak not by commandment. I'm not ordering you. I'm not forcing you. Forced giving is taxation. I heard a couple of amens. Hear a lot of laughs. And he says, I'm simply checking out. I'm simply checking out whether your love is genuine or not. In contrast to how others put forth their best for the Lord. Speaking of the Macedonians, comparing. This is heavy. One way, listen, one way to demonstrate that our love is real or genuine is by our generous giving. We prove, we demonstrate our love for God and for others is real by our giving. That's pretty heavy. Whether we're sincere, that's what sincere means, real or genuine. Because we do spend money on what we love, don't we? Do we spend money on what we love? That's, are we honest this morning? We do, don't we? We can't love without giving. By this, we, by this we know love. That Jesus gave himself for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? 
My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And so Paul, you know what he says here? He says, I'm tested to see if you're as generous as the Macedonians. The church is there. Did, you know what? Is that unprecedented? I don't think so. Jesus did. Again, Jesus compared the giving of the poor widow with those other people that were bringing all their treasure, all their stuff, all their wealth to the temple. And Paul is saying to the Corinthians, if they can do it, so can you. If they can do it, if they can sacrificially give, so can you. This is not some fleshly, carnal fundraising campaign. That this happened. You guys ever been to a church? They do that. Thermometers on the wall, and fleshly, carnal fundraising campaign. Again, there's no place for it. I'll say it. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Well, what about you, Pastor? Listen, I, I don't know who gives what here, by the way. Because I know my, my rotten heart. Because you know, you know what will happen? I'll have favoritism. I don't want to know. I don't need to know. Your giving is between you and Jesus. And we're going to talk more about it next week in chapter 9. But our giving is a character issue. It's a love issue. And so we have to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, what? Am I demonstrating love by my giving? That's what Paul's saying. He says, I'm testing the sincerity of your love in this. Well, notice what he says next. Because he's qualifying this. For, look at the next verse. For you know, here's something we all should know. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes, what? He became poor. Why? That you through his poverty might become rich. The greatest example of giving. This is so good. Isn't this good? Amen. He says, you know the ultimate demonstration of, of grace, of undeserved kindness or favor, just by looking at Jesus. He was rich. Is, is he no longer rich, by the way? He's rich, isn't he? Why? Because he came from heaven. He left the glory of heaven, the richness of heaven, the beauty of heaven, the perfection of heaven, and what? He came to this earth. He added humanity to his deity. And he came as a poor person, born into a poor family. You guys remember... Mary and Joseph didn't have nothing. In fact, they, how do we know that? By their offering. What did it say about Jesus? The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. Pretty different than what some people preach too, right? That Jesus had like designer threads, like he had the, the sweet robe, like Gucci or whatever, or Armani or whatever it is. He's got an Armani robe, you know. He's got the Mercedes cart taking him around. <laughs> There's some people, some people talk about it like he had a like he had a pad around the Sea of Galilee, one on the Mediterranean. 
The Bible says what? He chose to become destitute. Why? Why did he do that? The sacrificial giving of our Lord Jesus enabled you and I to become super wealthy. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, you guys. Maybe you don't have two dimes to rub together, but you're the super, you're the wealthiest person on the planet if you have Jesus Christ. Because for us, the best is yet to come. This place is not our home. We're just, we're pilgrims passing on through. To up to the place that Jesus is preparing for us. We serve a giving God, you guys. Don't we serve a giving God? And as he's talking, he gave the best when he gave us his son. And so think about this morning. Jesus brings out this example, or, or uh, Paul brings out this example of our Lord Jesus. And consider that this morning. Whose image are you being conformed to? Whose image are you being conformed to? Jesus. Jesus. And I would say, you, if you are being conformed to the image of Christ, you'll be more and more of a giver. You'll be more and more of a person that gives of yourself, of your life, of your time, your talents, your treasures. And our giving, listen, our giving will be like God's giving of grace to us, if that's the case. What do you mean? His, his grace, His giving, it's freely, it's undeservedly, it's generously. Is God looking for payback? Absolutely not. That's how our giving should be. No, no payback. Simply gives us grace. We're to simply give grace. And we should give the same way. God, listen, God blesses us so we can bless others. And when we take our riches and share with others, it's a demonstration. Not only are we being conformed to the image of Christ, that we're following Jesus Christ. And that's well-pleasing to God. You know it's well-pleasing to God when we do good and share? With such sacrifices, it says in Hebrews. Because sometimes it's a sacrifice, isn't it? But it's, it's well-pleasing to God. We want to please the Lord, don't we? Do good and share. Next verse, verse 10. How are we doing? You guys hanging in there? Okay. And in this, I give advice. Paul's like, here's some counsel for you. And in this, I give advice. It is to your advantage, not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it. That, as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion of what you have. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according, notice this, to what one has and not according to what he does not have. So Paul's like, I got some counsel. I got some advice for you here. Listen, it's to your benefit. You started well. You started strong in your giving. Your hearts were in the right place. A year ago, to help, to share, to do good. But now you not only began well, but now you have to finish well. You need to finish well. You were ready and willing. Now finish what you started to do. Don't, let's not make it about words. Let's follow through with actions. 
Take this responsibility, he says, seriously. And listen, how we follow through on our commitment to give demonstrates whether we're truly loving or not. To finish, to follow through what we've committed to do. But look at verse 12 with me. He says, if you are ready and willing, you're eager to give, that's acceptable if you have the resources, but not if you're, not if you're lacking. This is, this is like crucial, another like principle of giving. God does not expect you to give what you don't have. You guys catch that? God does not expect you to give what you don't have. But listen, give what the Lord tells you to give. And then follow through. Then, and, then, and then follow through with what's been given to you. Don't just talk a big game or make promises. To, you guys ever make promises to God? Oh, if you get me out of this, Lord, I will... Nobody ever do that? If you just do this, Lord, I'll... Hey, make a commitment, follow through. They made a commitment. Paul was calling them to follow through. And so, how much should I give? It's interesting. I played baseball with this guy named Andy Stankiewicz, Stanky the Yankee. (laughs) And um, I asked him one day, because I was reading my Bible, it was like right after I got saved, I said, what is this word, tithy? And it was tithe in the Old Testament. I'm like, what's a tithy? Can you explain to me? And you know, so gracious. He had walked with the Lord a long time. And he just walked me through the scriptures about giving. Going all the way back to, remember, Abraham, Melchizedek, and him giving a 10% a tithe of all that he had. And going through the law and all of that. And then getting the New Testament. And so, uh, you know, he talked to me, hey, 10% is a, is a good place to... Uh, a good benchmark to start. But listen, the New Testament doesn't teach tithing. It, the New Testament teaches giving. Well, I know I'll get some letters in the mail about that. And I'm okay. You know, the, you know what the early church said? Hallelujah! We're, we no longer have to tithe. Now we get to give. Over and above. Chapter 9, we're going to see next week, to be generous, to freely give, to be a cheerful giver. Listen, talk to God. It's not one size fits all. Listen, like he's saying in this verse, listen, if you don't have the funds, then don't, you can't buy huggies because you're going to give to the Lord. Don't do that. Get the huggies. Take care of your needs at home. Find another way to give. Do you have time? Everybody here have 24 hours in a day? You got time, you got talents. God's given you giftings and every one of us, giftings and callings. There's other ways to be able to give to the Lord. And so Paul goes on to say, look what he goes on to say to kind of clarify some stuff here. He says, For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality as it is written. This is so cool what he does here. He who gathers much had nothing left over. And he who gathered little had no lack. So Paul's like, don't get me wrong. Don't get the wrong idea. Your, your giving is not so that the Jerusalem Christians can become fat and sassy or rich and lazy. And, and, and it's at your expense. You're paying the tab. The idea here is, listen, Paul's helping them see the big picture. Right now, you're super abounding in material goods. But spiritually, you're not prospering. 
Right now, they're, they've got no material, and they're abounding spiritually. And so Paul says there, this is a season where you are able to help out your brothers materially. That there may be an equality. In other words, be willing to share. There's a time when you have the ability to help. And there's a time when they have the ability to help. Everyone chips in to do their part. May, again, maybe you don't have the finances, but you've got time to help. Or maybe you don't have the time, you've got the finances to help. And so everyone is to be a part of what God's doing. We're all, it's, it's, it's full team participation. Are you with me in this? This is not socialism or communism. I know somebody will bring that up. No, it's, uh, somebody will shoot me a letter. Aren't you talking communism? No, if you've, we've, we go to Cuba and Russia, by the way, on mission trips. And you want to see what happens when, when, when a country is communist or socialist. It's sad. Evil, wicked tyranny is the fruit. And, and it's heavy. It's brutal. And so everyone's to be a part. You supply their lack, they supply your lack. There's a, a quality in the sense that we're meeting one another's needs spiritually or materially. There's, there's some sharing going on. And then Paul brings up, look what it says in verse 15. He, t- he quotes from, where's this from? Where's this from, you guys? It's from Exodus. Remember the scene? God brought what from heaven to feed them? Manna, right? Angel food satisfied all the daily requirements, right? If you're vegan, you're good. If you're whatever, you're good. Everything's covered. What's the point he's making? Those who gathered a lot of manna had no leftovers. Those who took a small amount were lacking nothing. You know what that means? Everyone had enough to eat. If everyone had a heart to share, guess what would happen? What would happen if everyone had a heart to share? Would there be a lack? Would the church ever lack anything? Absolutely not. What happens? What happened when they hoarded it? What happened when the children of Israel hoarded it? It spoiled. It got rotten. Guess what happens if you're hoarding stuff? It spoils your heart. You're a hider and a hoarder. Spoils our hearts. Let's finish up. Here we go. We got time? Oh, yeah. Don't be looking at the clock. If you're looking at the clock, repent immediately. (laughs) But thanks be to God. Because we need to talk about accountability, too. It's crucial in our giving. On the flip side, that's what Paul does here. But thanks be to God. Who, put the same, who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. Notice what God does. He puts care for others into our hearts. He says, that's what God did with Titus. He cares about you guys. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. He was so excited, he voluntarily went. He heard the exhortation and went, and we have sent him with the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches, and not only that, but who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which is ministered by us to the glory of the Lord himself, and to show your ready mind, avoiding this, 
that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift which is administered by us, providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. So Paul and the gang, they're heading back to Corinth. Titus is going on ahead with this anonymous brother. He's not named, but he's highly praised by all the churches as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think it may be Luke. You can study that on your own. Acts chapter uh, 16 and 17. You can go for it. Study on your own. Check it out. But this anonymous brother was picked by the churches to be a part of the delivery to Jerusalem. And notice this, this love gift brings glory to God. It makes the Lord look good. And Paul cared about accountability. Look at verse 20. In handling the finances. He's like avoiding this. We don't want anyone to blame us. I don't want, we don't want to be criticized. We, we don't want the ministry to be discredited by the mishandling of this gift. And so we want to do what's honorable, verse 21, in, not only in God's eyes, but in the eyes of man also. And so for Paul, the handling of money um, above board was absolutely crucial, essential. Paul took steps so that no one could blame him or the ministry for financial impropriety. And we have layers of accountability here as well. And so he goes on to say in verse 22, and we have sent with them our brother, so another anonymous brother. How come they're not named? Don't, don't want to let anyone know who's carrying the cash, right? <laughs> could be this guy. Could be, you, don't know, you don't know who to get. Uh, no, I'm just guessing. That's purely conjecture. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have often proved diligent in many things. This dude demonstrated faithfulness in all kinds of stuff. But now much more diligent. He's eager. He's a trusted man of integrity because of the great confidence which we have in you. If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning you. You know what Paul's saying? Like, Paul says, I got his back. I like that about Paul. He's my partner. He's my sidekick. We're laboring together. Or if our brethren are inquired about, well, who are these guys? Who are these dudes? They are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Isn't that interesting? So these other guys, the anonymous brothers, if anyone says, who are these cats? It's interesting. In the Greek, it's the word apostle. Apostolos, I think it is. Small a, right? Apostle means sent out one. These guys are commissioned by the churches to be a part of the delivery process. And they're legit. They're diligent. They're faithful. They're reliable. They are men of integrity. All the churches vouch for them. And please notice, the churches are what? The glory of Christ. Where Jesus is to shine, you guys where not only does Jesus shine, but where we are to make him look good. That's what it means to glorify God. It means to make him look good. And then he finishes. We got one more verse. Oh, we got like two minutes left. Therefore, show to them, who's them? Probably the churches or to the team. Show to the team 
and before the churches the proof of your love and our boasting, of our boasting on your behalf. You know what Paul says here to close out this? He says, listen, the Corinthians giving should, or the Corinthians by their giving would testify, would demonstrate, would give proof of their love by their generosity, by their sacrificial giving. It would be a demonstration of their love and it would be a fulfillment of Paul's boasting and bragging about them. That what? What's the bragging? That they're the real deal. That they have something real going on with God. That they too have given their lives over to the Lord. And I look at this and I say, you know what? Our church here is wonderfully generous. I, listen, I brag on you guys. You guys know that. And it's a, listen, the giving in our church is like off the Richter amazing. And you know what it is? It is a proof of your love. It's a proof of your love. And that Jesus is shining through your lives. Because we're the glory of Jesus Christ, our church. Amen? In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much this morning for your amazing grace that you've lavished upon us. And continue to give us grace upon grace, Jesus. May that grace that's flowing in our direction, into our hearts, our lives, be flowing out 